0: Good morning City Hill. Today is a great day to be alive. Tell somebody that beside you. It's a great day to be alive. Praise the Lord. In the last couple of weeks some pro-abortion legislation has been passed in New York and in Virginia that has shaken the hearts of men and women across our nation. Legislation that would allow women to um, end their pregnancy, in up to the very last moment of delivery. And as I've prayed about that, and as I've sought the Lord on this, I have felt led of the Lord to address the issue of abortion this morning. Appreciate your prayers as we do so. Um, and as I've studied and immersed myself in this topic, it's really consumed me. And. Uh, I told Jan I wouldn't make it through. (laughs) So I feel the burden and I want to express some of the... I've asked the Lord to give me some of his heart on the matter. Just some of it. Because I knew I couldn't take it if he really showed me what his heart is. The fullness of it. So my goal this morning. My goal... And why I'm speaking on this, I've heard people say churches should stay away from this topic. It's uh, for many reasons. It's too emotional, too something, stay away. But I don't think that's the heart of God. And my desire this morning is that we would know what the Bible says about the value of life. My goal is that you would be better prepared in the marketplace to defend pro-life, And then, my prayer is that we would embrace the truth, the painful truth, and that each one of us, as part of City Hill, as part of the body of Christ, would be part of the answer, not adding to the problem. And my take home today, I'll just throw it at you right from the beginning my take home is that life is sacred, and that the strong, must protect the weak. Say it one more time. Life is sacred. And we, the strong, are called to protect the weak. And as I say, this is a difficult topic to preach. But really, it truly is a matter of life and death. And I imagine this morning, just by statistics, by numbers, that there are women who have suffered abortions, men who have been involved in the process. And I want to say I carry no judgment towards you, none. I have nothing to condemn you. It's not my heart or my desire. To the contrary, my hope and my prayer is that you would be able to experience the immeasurable reach of the grace of God this morning. That some of you might be here saying, ah, I didn't know this was a topic for this morning. Probably a good day to stay home in the snow. But to the contrary, my hope and prayer is that you would experience the grace and love and forgiveness which knows no ends, which has no limits. And my prayer, and as you pray for me this morning, my prayer is that I could preach the truth With great love. So let's pray. Dear God, the only wise God, the author of all life, we come before you this morning. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to cut through all the smoke and the lies and deceptions that whirl around us, and that we would be blessed by the embracing of your truth. Your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to begin by introducing you to my family, the Norell clan. These are my three. This is my wife, Janet, and my three adult boys, Joshua, Benjamin, and Nathaniel. Love my boys. Love my boys. Privileged to be their dad. My oldest son, Joshua, is married to Lexi. They live in Amsterdam, and they have brought us three beautiful granddaughters. Number one is Cora. I call her my Cora Bear. And Cora is beautiful. She's a little artist. She's going to school in Holland, so she is bilingual, speaking Dutch and English. She's four years old. She loves to make friends. She's in the YWAM base, and so everybody's her friend, and she's very, very social. Then there is Ruby, my Ruby Cubes, and Ruby is two. She is spunky. She loves to dance whenever music comes on, and she loves to test each and every possible boundary which is set for her. Ruby. And then I'd like to introduce you to Emma. This is Emma. These photos were taken just a few days ago. Emma loves to play with her feet and blow bubbles. She responds actively when her sisters talk to her. Somehow she hears their voice and it responds in this very active little girl who is still in incubation. She uh, loves her feet, her hands. I picture this uh, sonogram if we can. She's waving at us this morning saying hi to everybody. This is Emma. She's beautiful. And Janet and I will be flying to Amsterdam at the end of March for her grand debut. My three granddaughters. I already love her. I already have accepted her into our family. She is a Norel, and I would give my life for her, my three granddaughters. I sent an email to Lexi this week as I was preparing for these things, and I said, I want to read you my email to her. I said, thank you, Lexi, for hosting our granddaughter for the past 33 weeks. I know it's not been easy. I know you've been sick. I know you felt compelled to eat strange foods, like pickles and ice cream. And Lexi, I know you know this, but just to state the obvious, that precious life inside of you is not your body. Emma has simply taken up temporary residence. So thanks for doing everything you can to keep her safe and warm and protected. God already loves her, and so do we. I can't wait to meet her in just seven weeks. Love, Grandpa Kent. And I wear this shirt in honor. You see, the words I spoke to Lexi come out of my understanding of what God says about life. Of what the Bible says about human life. What the truth is about human life. The Bible tells us that all life comes from God. All life. On day 3, after God had created the heavens and the earth, God spoke and created plants and trees. I read in verse 11 of Genesis 1, God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit, which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. Day 5, God created animals of the seas and earth. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creature, let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of heaven, and the end of 24, and it was so. So God created all plants, all trees on this earth, and that their seed would reproduce. Then he created animals and fish and birds and all that, all created by God. So all creation, all life has come from God, but may I say that not all life is sacred. Say that again. Not all life is sacred. Or may I clarify that by saying not all life is of equal equal value, like this apple. It's plant life. It's valuable to eat. When I eat the apple, I don't need to apologize. I don't need to repent. I heard someone say, you know, all life is cruel because we kill plants. I don't believe that's the way God made the world. I believe that God has made plants for us to eat. And that not all types of life are the same. You go, Adam, have an apple. You don't need to apologize for it. And then there's things like living other kinds of life like mosquitoes. That's why God helped us create the mosquito racket. I love the mosquito racket for so many reasons. Our life in Dominican Republic, we had lots of mosquitoes, and so this was my friend. And each night before I'd go to bed, I'd go on the hunt, and I'd pull out. If you've ever seen these, they're wonderful. You push this little button, and the inner screen lights up. And when you can sweep that mosquito, it pops. It explodes. It brings me great joy. And then they smoke. I am, and so I don't like. Who likes you know that buzzing of a mosquito in your ear when you're trying to sleep? Not cool. So we locked on our room, kill the mosquitoes, and I never repent. Mosquitoes are meant. I'm sure they came as part of the curse somehow, and but we can get confused. I do remember I was rock climbing back in high school. Rock climbed with a group of climbers. And this one lady was belaying, so her hands were full, and she had a mosquito land on her forehead. And I went and I killed the mosquito on her, and she said, I wish you wouldn't have done that. And I said, why? She goes, well, that mosquito has as much right to live as you do. And I thought, I do not want her belaying next time I climb. If it's, well, Kent, mosquito, Kent, mosquito... You know, not really sure. No, that mosquito does not have the same rights to live as you or I. There are other animals like dogs, which God has created, part of his beautiful creation. I believe all animals ought to be treated with kindness and respect. There's a law in our country, you can actually, a federal law, you can have five years in prison for abusing a dog. It's pretty serious. But it reflects the concept that we are to be good to animals. The scripture says in Proverbs 12, good people are kind to their animals. That makes sense. Being kind to animals is showing the kindness of God. But all human life, all human life is made in the image of God. All human life is sacred, it's made in the imago Dei, the image of God. And that sets human life apart from all other forms of life. We are image bearers of God. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. And then it repeats it. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Being human puts us in a whole different category from all others of God's creation. We can reason. We can think through things. We can create. There's no other animal that has the creative abilities of you and I. We can appreciate music and beauty, sunsets, the beauty of the snow this morning. All of that is part of being created in the image of God. We've been given a soul and a spirit which sets us apart. So man, and speaking of men and women, are created in God's image, male and female, black and white, young and old, short and tall. It doesn't matter. All of us are beautifully created in God's image, perfectly formed. And may I just take a sidelight to say, and those with disabilities, made in God's image. Think about this for a moment. A disability does not take you away from being created in the image of God. If you lose a finger, you're no longer, you're no less in the image of God. If you lose a limb, if you're deaf, or if you're blind, you are still made in the image of our creator God. If you think about it, God is a spirit, so he has no physical arms or legs either, does he? Many of you have seen this incredible speaker, Nick see if I can say that last name, Vujistic, something like that. But Nick, born without limbs, a beautiful man made in the image of God with disabilities. All human life is sacred from conception to final breath, because we are made in God's image. And this will be a defining issue of our generation. How do we view the sanctity and the holiness of human life? The lack of value of a human life became glaringly evident in the recent legislation passed in New York City on January 23rd the focus of this law passed was to allow women legal options if their child was born with severe handicaps. But the reality of this law is it would allow all women the option of terminating their pregnancy right up until the very point of delivery for any reason, such as the emotional health of the mother. And I watched the videos this week. I immersed myself in this topic. I watched the videos of the cheering and the applause as lawmakers signed this law into into a reality in New York. And it breaks my heart. I could not help but hear the verses of Isaiah 520 that says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And to realize that this whole room full of people hugging, cheering, high-fiving, that now we could end the life of fully developed babies, isn't this great? I thought, God, we've we've come to a, a dark place. It's hard to imagine that any of us would argue the fact that having an abortion at nine months is not killing a baby. It's a child. It's my granddaughter, Emma, you've just met. I was asked this morning, how many, before it service, how many grandchildren do I have? I said, three. We don't normally count it that way in our society, but maybe we should. And what's inside of a woman is not the product of conception, It's not a pre-embryo. It's not a tissue mass. It's not a oops or a problem to be resolved. It's an unborn baby. And the trip that that child takes, the change of location of eight inches does not change the value Or the fact that that child is born, that child is created in the image of God. And as such, that child should be endued with unalienable rights of life. And we the strong, that's us, we have the God-ordained mandate to protect the weak, unborn children of this world. Really, that's where the pro-choice argument breaks down. The pro-choice argument would say a woman has a right to do what they want with their body. That sounds reasonable enough. As long as it does not harm another person. In this case, their baby. And that's where the point of conflict comes. The real point comes by saying, what is it? That's really where the whole argument bases on. If it's just their body, then they should be able to do what they want. But if this is a human life, one of these babies that the pre-video showed, if this is a life and a person and the most vulnerable among our our society, then my daughter-in-law has no right to end the life of little Emma. She has no right. Now, nor would she ever dream of doing so. But she should not have that right. And you know, the state law recognizes that when someone kills a pregnant woman, currently that's considered a double homicide. Because that child has value because it was wanted, that preborn wanted by the mother. But the same mother could walk into an abortion clinic in New York and end the life of that child with no legal ramifications. And supposedly be cheered on by some of our lawmakers. It's crazy. And I thought about this morning showing some of the graphics. And as I watched some of the graphics this morning, I could not do that to you. Because it's it's too graphic. It's just looking at the harsh truth. In your hand, you'll have a resource page. One of those resources, it shows different resources that you can look at. One was an abortionist describing medically with illustrations the process of abortion. No music, nobody screaming. I don't even know if the man's a Christian. It's just a description with illustrations. It might be good for all of us to watch that video. It's looking at a hard truth, at a horrible truth. If you look through that resource page, there's a whole lot of good information to educate you. The facts remain, folks. In the United States, each year in 2014, got the data that 926,200 abortions were performed in America, just shy of a million. The numbers are decreasing each year. We might think we should applaud that. However, the question is why they are decreasing. The numbers are decreasing because of a pill called RU486 and similar medications that are called Plan B, the morning after, which can induce an abortion, medically induced, not surgically, but medically, up to 10 weeks of pregnancy and those abortions are not included so as that process becomes mainstream the numbers of surgical abortions will come will go down but the numbers of abortions um, continue to be extremely high over 60 million abortions since Roe versus Wade 1963 60 million children and may I say that future generations will not smile upon our generation. There will be a day where future generations will look back to what is happening worldwide and see it for what it is. One out of every five pregnancies end in an abortion. Unless you take up the argument of what about cases of rape, Less than 1% of all abortions in America are for reasons of rape, incest, or concern for the life of the mother. All totaled together are less than 1%. The Bible speaks about all of this. It says life is valuable, it's sacred because we are made in God's image. The Bible says that God knows us in our mother's womb. So God knows, Emma, praise the Lord In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, as when yet there was none of them. God sees the forming child. Psalm 127, children are a blessing of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Children are a blessing of God. And in Proverbs 6.16, the Lord speaks a warning that says, God hates the shedding of Of innocent blood, and what could be more innocent, more dependent, more vulnerable than an unborn child? And so I want to speak to us as the church and say, We who are strong are called to protect the weak. I think we know that innately. Someone comes to harm my family, it's my role, being the strongest in the household, to step forward. Imagine someone coming to attack me when I had little children and taking one of my kids and putting them in front of me. People would say, what is wrong with you? And rightly so. A man came to rob my friend's home with a gun, they a shotgun, and he, they walked into the robbery of their own home, and this man came to threaten them. And he took you know, his arms, and he put his wife and his kids behind them. And it was just like he took his role. He was the strong in the home, and he stood to protect those who were not as strong as him. The strong are called to protect the weak. Psalm 31, 8. Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, for the right of all who are destitute. Speak up, judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. We're called to do that as a church, as those who love Jesus. You know, sometimes I watch all of this. I watch what goes on in New York. and Your heart breaks, and then you go, well, what can we do? I was asking the Lord this week, what can we do? Lord, what do we do? As pastor of this church, what do we do? do, How do we stand up? And I'm going to tell you seven things that the Lord has shown me. And I do not promise that they will all I do not promise that some are not offensive, but praise the Lord. Here we go. Ready? Seven things we can do. Number one, we pray. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. We are not wrestling against abortionists. We are not wrestling against legislators and governors. It may look like that, but our battle is against flesh and blood, and we need to pray as individuals, as a church. We also need to pray for the women with unplanned pregnancies who are in this crisis trying to figure out what to do. We need to pray for them. Bless them. Reach out to them. We need to pray. And secondly, I will speak for myself on this, but I believe of God that I will not vote for anyone who is pro-abortion. It is a You say, well, what about all the other things? The other things are very important too. I get that. But if I weigh the other things in light of ending the life of helpless unborn children, I cannot balance the two in equal measure. Does that mean the other things are not important? No. We should fight for other things of justice and provision and righteousness other things to fight for as well but I don't care which party I do care about doing whatever part I can to protect the unborn number three get educated learn about this study it and I tell you pray before you do I felt of the Lord to immerse myself in this this week and watch the videos, and, and I it's been a, I've been pretty focused. I just uh, I want to educate myself on what's really going on in the world. Can't put my head in the sand. Can't hide. I want to see it. We also have invited Scott Klusendorf. Scott Klusendorf is. A friend of mine, but he's also the president of LTI, Life Training Institute, lives in Atlanta, speaks around the country on these topics and educates the church and educates students. And he's flying up here um, in November. He'll be with us on November 17th. And we'll be doing some seminars here in the city. And you can just put that in your calendar. That's a weekend of the 15th through 17th to help educate us better. Get educated. Number four, educate others. Help people understand what truth is. But may I say, folks, let's lose the attitude. It does us no good. You will never argue anybody into truth. Your ar- the, the, the anger, the hatred, the shouting, the name-calling, it does not help the case of the unborn from my perspective. Let's educate, but educate with love, with kindness, with compassion, with generosity. Let's be the church that embraces the pregnant woman, the pregnant girl who is scared, is fearful, maybe feels shamed. Let's be that church. Number five, serve the families after their babies are born it doesn't it's not really enough to simply say don't and stop there let's be part of those and we are, and I see this happen to church and I just want to give a shout out to Esther Holmes that's what they're doing they're saying, if your woman's in need, we're going to find a way to care for you to help with education and child care and opening doors to people not just pre-birth, but also after the baby's born. Because God loves the woman and wants to help them get on their feet. Let's serve families after babies are born. Number six. As I was praying, the Lord spoke a word to my heart. suppose you call it a prophetic word that said seeing is believing. thought, so what do you mean, God? So seeing is believing. And as that word began to Stir in my heart, I realized that it's easy for a woman to believe that what's inside of her is a problem to be taken care of and not a baby because they've never seen this child. But when someone sees the child, when a mother experiences that child, something changes. There's a connection of heart. And as I prayed more, I felt the Lord challenge us as a church. And I made some phone calls to um, crisis pregnancy centers here in Minneapolis and started talking. I ended up contacting the director of New Life Homes, one of the beautiful centers here, and talked to her a bit. And she said that they are opening a new crisis pregnancy center in the Phillips neighborhood. Not sure, I'm sure our, our ladies are aware of that, but in the Phillips neighborhood, it's one of the most ethnically diverse neighborhoods in the city. It has a large population of black, Hispanic, Asian, and American Indian. It's extremely ethnically diverse. And did you know that abortion is much higher among the minorities of our land? There's been a focus on that area, and it's part of the abuse of the racial minorities in our country. And so they're opening a center right there in the Phillips neighborhood. And as I talked to the director she says, "You know, we really need an ultrasound machine for that new clinic." I said, "Oof. How much?" She said, "Well, we're halfway there." Um, but to have one, I don't know exactly. They're still figuring out if they refurbish one and a rebuilt or what. They're looking at it, but she said Probably $10,000 would get us there. And I said, we'll do it. Talk to the elders, and the elders are like, let's do this thing. Let's, let's make this a reality. And so we're going to do that, church. We're going to give an ultrasound machine. And we're going to see babies changed and saved from all ethnic backgrounds beautiful. We're going to be a part of that. Uh, they need about $10,000. I don't think $10,000 is a problem for God. We're With the impact conference right around the corner, we're going to put that as one of our projects, increase the amount we're believing for this year so that you know when you give to the impact you are giving to help us provide that ultrasound machine. They say it will be a top quality so that the kind of pictures that you saw this morning of my granddaughter, people can see. They can hear the heartbeat. They can see their baby moving. And they say that the statistics are amazing that when a woman has an ultrasound, the vast majority will change their decision and choose to have their baby. And I'm excited about that. and Thank you, church. We want to do practical things to be a part of the answer. And lastly, I'd say this morning to show compassion for those who have suffered abortions. I believe that's at the heart of everybody here, that the truth is abortion is sin. And the good news is that there is a God and there is a Savior who is the expert at forgiving sins, your sin and my sin. And before we ever have that judgmental attitude, there is none of us innocent. There is none of us without sin. All of us stand in need of a Savior who forgives. This morning we're talking of the sin of abortion. And I would just challenge you, I would just challenge you that if that's part of your history, do not turn from Jesus. Run to him. You won't find a judge with a big hammer. You'll find a Savior with arms open wide to hug and forgive and wash clean. This morning as the snow was falling, I looked out at the snow and thought, that's what the Lord wants to do, he wants to cover us with his cleansing. He wants to bring that purity to fall upon us as the newly fallen snow. And I just challenge you, we'll have a ministry team here afterwards. Come, have people pray. You won't find condemnation. You'll find love, acceptance, brothers and sisters that will stand with us as we all walk this journey of faith. Amen? So when we talk about abortion, we are not talking philosophy. We're not talking ideology. We're talking about real people, real children, real babies. And I'd like to end by showing you a video of a woman who chose life. We can roll that video now.
1: Good morning. Just after my 17th birthday, um, I found myself with an unplanned pregnancy. Um, both my boyfriend and I had grown up in good homes, in Christian homes. Uh, we'd grown up in church. Uh, both of us had accepted Christ as our Savior, but we hadn't yet made him Lord of our lives. And um, unlike so many teens who put themselves in this situation, um, we had the support of of our families and of loving church bodies um, that allowed us to make good decisions for ourselves and for our unborn our unborn child. We're eternally grateful for that. Um, Shortly after our parents found out that we were pregnant, um, a shotgun wedding was planned. Two weeks after that, my um, now husband, Steve, is heading to college, a freshman in college living in the dorms as a as a married 18-year-old, and I stayed and finished uh, my senior year of high school. And... Um, The first day back to school, 17 years old, married, five months pregnant, um, a place that I never uh, dreamt that I would be, Um, I just remember feeling um, shame and embarrassment and a whole lot of fear. Um, That senior year, uh, I took classes and uh, in January delivered a beautiful the baby after 36 hours of labor in an emergency c-section. A beautiful baby. I finished my high school year and both Steve and I went off to college together. and those first few years of marriage are difficult. Um, they were made um, even more difficult because a, of the decisions that we had made when we make decisions outside of God's will for our life, life is harder. Um, than it needs to be. Um, we both worked and took classes. Um, Childcare was hard to find, and so um, our son would come to lecture uh, with me often, playing in the back of the room. Um, by the grace of God, we both graduated from college, and um, again, so so grateful. But it was a really difficult time. But what I want to share with you today is that we have a God who is faithful to redeem. He is a merciful Father who is faithful to hear our prayers of repentance, and He is true to His Word, to His promise of making beauty from our ashes. We love our Son, and we are so proud of Him, and we are so grateful every day for His life.
2: Some of my first memories are sitting in my mom. That's my mom. Sitting in my mom's lap while she attended college classes and I would play with my little fire truck driving over her notes as she would try to take notes for classes. And then she would do homework by the light of my nightlight. And I can't imagine how hard how hard that was for her and for my dad working, going to school with nothing and somehow raising me. But I am thankful, so thankful every day um, for my mom's choice of life and so thankful for God's mercy and redemption and so thankful that I can be here with you guys. So I actually (laughs) want to just my mom <laughs> if, if you go with me and as she said we have a God that's so faithful to redeem and so um, we can praise we're just gonna end with this song um, we raise a hallelujah
0: real lives, real futures, real purposes that God has. We want to be a part of the answer. We want to be a part of helping reverse some of the things that have happened in our country. We want to be a part of saving the lives and helping the people who choose to save the lives. And I challenge us to imagine the day in America where abortion is no longer legal. Imagine the day when the government funds adoption rather than abortion, where women who have the courage to carry their children to term may find opportunities and ways to see them get into loving family homes of couples unable to conceive. Imagine our nation investing in homes for pregnant women who don't feel they have any options but could find an option for care in their time of great need. And imagine a church with love and compassion reaching out to those In time of need at all different levels, with love and compassion, care for the babies, care for the mothers. So Father, we pray today, author of life, we thank you, God, that you, that God, you love these children. And Father, as we stand for life in you, as we stand for eternal life, God, we also know you want us to fight for the life of the weak and defenseless. Help us, God, to do that with your heart, with your love, with your care, with your resources, with our hands, with our time. God, we want to be a part of your answer part of your provision, extension of your love. In Jesus name. Amen. Life is sacred. We the strong must protect the weak. May God give us grace and love and wisdom. Thanks for being with us this morning. Let's stand and close with this final song.
2: Sing a little louder. Sing Sing